You're listening to Fanholes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? Get on with the ceremony. My fellow fans. As your new host, I... Who disrupts my coronation? Coronation, Michael. This is bad comedy. Derek, is that you? Here's a hint. Exciting and interesting episode of the Fanholes podcast. We're going to be talking about some pretty cool things today. Uh, we're going to start off with the Marvel comic book series Black Wolf. We're going to be headed a little someplace cold for that, so get ready for some uh, negative and offhanded comments towards that series. And then we're going to be following up with our favorite superhero replacement and worst superhero replacement, and that's going to be going around and talking to all the fan holes about what they think about that. But we're also joined by a very special guest today. We've got Tim from the Thum Podcast. Say hi, Tim. Hi, Tim. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hey, I'm good. flattered. So, man. Uh, flattered. So this is the uh, this is the first time uh, Thum's been on our I guess we call him the Guestinction Agenda when we have a guest on the show, um, and so this is the first time uh, Tim's met uh, Brian and Justin and Mike. So we'll just have uh, Mike and everybody you know everybody go ahead and uh, sign on, say hello, and I guess introduce yourselves, and then we'll start the show. Hey, this is Brian Breakdown. Good yeah. to have you on, Tim. Hi, it's Mike uh, Thunderwing. Great to have you on, Tim. Hey, this is Justin Grimlock, and Black Wolf is toast. Well, look what the cat drug in. I'm back. We've been trying to contact you for days, Wolverine. Where have you been? Somewhere cold. 
so yeah, I guess I, I guess we'll just start off with with Black Wolf. Uh, you know, this was actually something that was suggested by one of our missing members, uh, Tony Jackson, who's been uh, MIA for a little while. But uh, that this was one thing he graced us with. I had actually never heard of this comic series before Tony mentioned it, so you can't pin it on me. This is this is all Tony's fault. But he actually did suggest it for a someplace cold. So uh, what we usually do is kind of you know discuss things that really kind of you know. I guess rub us the wrong way and kind of bitch and kvetch about the uh, the comic or whatever it is. Um, but I was kind of wondering because I was like, oh, I've never read this before, so I have no idea whether it's good or bad or how people are going to react to it. But uh, it seems like it's definitely garnered a, a genuine reaction from all the fan holes. But I guess we'll just uh, give some brief background on what Black Wolf was. It was a uh, Marvel comic series that ran for ten issues. And it started in the year 1994, so it was kind of in the zenith of the 90s. So that's kind of what we're getting into. So what, you cocksucking bitch? I'm extreme! And, you know, on the first issue, they bill it as the next generation of hero. So uh, this was written by Glenn Allen Herdling, who, uh, in his defense, I'll say he wrote a really funny Craven parody in What the Number 3, where they did the whole uh, Spider-Ham and Raven the Hunter thing. But I guess he's generally known for being an editor at Marvel Comics and probably edits all the funky PSA-type comics, you know, where they go to Radio Shack or drink Kool-Aid or, you know, whatever kind of stuff like that. And uh, the, most of the art was done by Angel Medina, who you guys might know. Like, I remember him from Warlock and the Infinity Watch, and he also worked on, like, Spawn and Sam and Twitch and things like that. So uh, I guess we'll just get started. I know Justin's got a lot of hate to get off his chest from what I understand. So why don't we open it up with Justin since it's someplace <laughs> cold. Like what, 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 what do you think about black wolf? Like what, what were your first impressions? I, I wish we had read Spider-Man drinks, the amazing Kool-Aid or something. Cause that would have been <laughs> very entertaining. I really tried to give this the old, you know, college try or what have you. And, you know, Derek, you kept saying, Oh, it's okay. You know, Hank Pym and Ultron show up and there's some scrolls lurking about. I was like, Okay, well, I'll, I'll give this a try. I made it to issue seven or eight, and I had to quit. Like it was, it was kind of hurting my brain. I wanted to get into it and enjoy it, but I, I just couldn't. It just, it just smacked me like right in the face of that '90s, you know, to the extreme, you know, nonsense. You like that internet shit? Isn't it fucking extreme? I'm edgy and I kick ass, I'm from the future, and I got martial arts and eye lasers and shit! Like, I like the art, you know, like you said, um, the artist worked on uh, Adam Warlock and stuff. So I recognize the artist, but the story, I don't know, it just, like, I've never read, you know, any of those books that are, like, the basis for Scientology or whatever, but I imagine if you, like, took that and put it through, like, the Marvel 90s Extreme Meat Grinder, and mixed in Hank Pym, like, this is what you get. I think for me, the highlight of what I thought was kind of hilarious was I think uh, Darkseid and Ultron need to go to a support group with, like, Ben Grimm about dressing up in, like, a fedora and a trench coat and <laughs> why they need to do that, like, when Ultron finally showed up. Like, that kind of cracked me up. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of thought the series was kind of like their attempt to do some kind of you know, image comic, you know, like yeah. it was, it, it reminded me of like, you know, 
Brigade and Bloodstrike and all those. Even the, the lead character, Black Wolf, kind of is dressed like how Cable eventually would look in like the Claremont-era X-Men when he was actually a member of the team and stuff. What about you, Tim? Like, I know this is all new to, to all of us, really. Like, it's the first time we've ever kind of read it. Like, what was your take on, like, how far did you get? Did you did you enjoy the art of the writing? Did you hate the art of the writing? Like, what was your take on it? Was it was it 90s to the extreme? Did it sort of overload you or what? Basically, what what did you think of Black Wolf, Tim? Basically, overall, I liked it. Seemed like a over. It seemed like a big space opera type of the writer, whoever conceived this. They wanted to have, they had this big, big grand universe ideas uh, of, of this grand space opera type of deal. And putting in the middle of that, once you get to issue six or seven, Hank Pym and Ultron is just anachronistic. It's just, just weird to me. I was like, we're in this whole different world. And then all of a sudden, you got the regular Marvel Universe coming in. I thought that was weird. But overall, I dug it. I, I, I liked it because I saw what the writer was trying to do. And, of course, I love Angel Medina's art. Yeah, I do. I do like Angel Medina. Um, I think, like, for, for me, like, it's interesting that you said that because it does kind of feel like it's on the, the outskirts of the Marvel Universe where they were kind of, you know, edging into it where like even i was trying to tempt these guys into reading it because i know you know like mike is you know and justin they're kind of fans of the avengers and they like hank pym and stuff like that and i was kind of like hey he, he guest stars in this you know like there's there's other stuff in here and even i guess if you know like i i love uh galactic storm and so like they had some of those guys like the star force you know shatterax and all those like crazy kree guys and stuff towards the end and everything so but it's it's very kind of on the outskirts and like, I could see why it'd be kind of weird. Like it seems like they're kind of doing their own thing. And then you're like, Oh yeah, there's a scroll here, you know, type situation or whatever. But, um, the, the scroll oh. fit, but, but yeah. just so out of place with Hank Pym. Just, it just was weird. This is bad, Hank. I'm the one that makes all this possible. You know, this, this science, right? All the business arrangements, the grants. I manage your entire life so you can do this. And it's so boring. So boring. Yeah, I kind of like how it was just like, you know, Hank Pym's like just shows up and he was like, yeah, the Avengers know about you guys, you know, like <laughs> out of nowhere. Like, of course, like you guys, right? Like you, you've always been around. Yeah, you've been here all the time. You know, yeah. You know what that felt like? It felt kind of like, you know, issue 13 of The Heroes Reborn were like, you know, Marvel Universe meets all those Wildstorm guys, and it's really weird. It doesn't really work. Like, that's kind of what it felt like to me. Yeah, where they, they kind of seemed like they were in different universes almost or something, but they still were kind of talking to one another. No, I heard, this is how it felt to me. Like, if you were watching Lord of the Rings, and you were, like, on a two towers, and you were in the middle of the movie, and then <laughs> Iron Man comes out of the sky. Going <laughs> <down>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, Gandalf, that's a, hey Tony, what's up? I'm like, wait a minute, Gandalf, you know Tony? See, that is kind of it's kind of disjointing, like when it comes to that point, especially when it's just uh, for me though too. It's like I don't know what it is, but like Dark Side sipping a cup of cappuccino with a with a fedora is like the same thing as like Ultron like running off without a mustache to twirl at the end of that. <laughs> He's got like his, his fedora and his little trench coat, or like him dressed up as a priest, and it's like. Father Ulysses, what's going I'm ultra, you know, and you're just like, what's going on? Yeah, so that was kind of weird. Uh, what about you, Brian? Like, like all of us, this was probably your first time 
reading uh, some Black Wolf. Like, what was your take on the whole thing? Um, the funny thing is, like, I don't remember when this was actually, like, assigned to us to read, but I totally forgot that this was, like, um, you know, going to be a Something Cold segment. So I was thinking this was a book that you recommended that we read because you <laughs> liked it. <laughs> so <laughs> by issue number two, I was like, man, what does Derek see in this? You know, I thought it wasn't getting was having to read it. And then, I don't know, by issue number three, I thought maybe something was wrong with me. And I was like... Well, you know, Derek's a pretty hardcore comic book reader, so maybe he just, you know, he sees something that I don't see. And then I got to issue four, and I'm like, what what the heck's going on? And then I went and checked the email, and I saw that it was a someplace cold. So I was like, oh, forget this. And then issue number four is where I dropped out. But That's pretty funny. Yeah. I, I, guess I was really confused as to why anyone would like it. Um, I don't know. I agree with you guys that uh, – the artwork was probably the best thing about it, but the story, yeah, it's just like, I don't know, full 90s in my face, and I, I just can't take it anymore. Yeah, to me, so it's I like a, le- a lesser, uh, like a micro, what's his name, Jim Starlin and his intergalactic things, it was like a lesser version of that. Oh, uh, okay, so kind of like, you know, either doing like Warlock or Captain Marvel or Dreadstar or things like yeah, that. Yeah, any, any of those, uh, yeah, or the, the Rand Denegar War, but less right, on right, this scale. Right. Those characters tried to be a what's the name? Tantalist. He was a wannabe Thanos, but I mean, I, yeah, yeah. But I saw what he, the writer, was trying to do, and I, and I kind of dug it, you know. But I, you know, but I wouldn't have read it or bought it on my own. But reading it for this, it wasn't. The 90s extreme, especially how Hank Pym looked. He looked his 90s self, but uh, I hate I hate the 90s Hank Pym, but. Overall, I like I, I like the art and, and all that. I like when there's a bunch of different little storylines mixing up. But uh, no, it was it was fair. I'll give it like a six out of ten. Is but but no one liked it then. No one else liked it at all. I mean, you know, for me, like I I, I think I was a little less hard on the the series just because I had never heard of it before. Like, I was kind of happy just to discover a Marvel comic I had never heard of and never read before. And then it's, for me, it's just kind of interesting to see stuff where, like I said, I was like, oh, cool, those are those guys from from Galactic Storm, you know, where it's like, you know, I mean, I know they're all kind of ridiculous guys like uh, Shatterax and and, uh, the Star Force and stuff like that. But to me, like, anytime I saw a point of recognition, you know, and I was kind of like, oh, you know, because I know there are characters in there that some, you know, besides Ultron and Hank Pym that other Marvel, you know, uh, readers might be familiar with. Like, I guess the Doctor in that that uh, made all the robotics and stuff was from that 2001 comic book that Jack Kirby did and stuff. So, you know, it's like things like that where I'm kind of like, oh, okay, okay there are. Okay. Yeah, the guy, his name's Broadhurst. Like, okay. so I guess he he was from that 2001 comic. And then, uh, and then you know, like, if obviously if you read, like, you know, Avengers comics, the, the Kree Century's got to be pretty oh, familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah stuff like that so you know like seeing those things i just kind of dug you know like seeing like oh okay there are there are some things that seemed familiar to me and stuff and you know some some of the stuff even though it's 90s it cracked me up like where you know black wolf's like walking down the street and then uh you know he passes the hot dog vendor and he's like oh i'm hungry and then he's like wait you mean i have to pay for that you just gave me this hot dog buddy and then like the i, I guess it's like a street walker walks up to him and he's like and what are you selling you know and she whispers <laughs> to him he's like he's like you mean i have to pay for that too you know like he's like you know so like things like that were kind of funny but you know 
Uh, Derek, I'm surprised you didn't... Well, maybe you did notice it, but uh, I noticed that uh, Sparrow's landlady was Miss Muggins from Spider-Man. Yes, I did did remember that. Like, I I didn't mention it, but yeah, like, Miss Muggins was there. So I guess for for long-time Spider-Man readers, you get uh, the angry old uh, Peter Parker's landlady from uh, from back in the day when we read Spider-Man comics, so... Yeah, that was pretty cool, too. So, I mean, there's some, like, little, you know, like I said, it's kind of like the outskirts of the, you know, it's not like they go up and shake Captain America's hand and, like, you know, punch Wait, Thanos. Hold on, hold on. You call him you call, you call in Ultron, too? He's like a... No, but, 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 I mean, I, I think, I think for, like, like, that was their big headlining guest star, I think. But, like, for, you know, some of the other guys, like, you know, Miss Muggins and Shatterax <laughs> and this guy Broadhurst, like, they're kind of, you know, it's not like if you saw that guy on a TV show, you'd be like, fucking A, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of what I was saying. I was like, like, how sad is it? Is it like when I was like, oh, it's Shatterax. I remember him from Galactic Storm. Thank God, a touchstone, you know. There's something, <laughs> Miss yeah. Muggins, great. Something I can, like, cling to in this, like. Yeah, basically, yeah, it's kind of, I guess it's kind of sad when you're clinging on to Miss Muggins and, like, you know, I know I know Justin tuned out when the uh, Godstalker showed up, and to me, I was kind of like, hey, it's like a little bitty celestial dude, like, you know, like those kind of little. Yeah. So, Michael, you needed a, something from the Marvel Universe that you recognize to, to dig this? Uh, not so much, but, like, it, it kind of, like, like, the way, like, I was kind of dreading reading this. And, uh, yeah, Derek was like, oh, Hank Pym, like, shows up at some point, and Ultron shows up. So I was kind of like, oh, okay, well, you know, it, it'll be at least reading for that, because, like, I'm a big Hank Pym fan, so I was like, I like whenever he shows up. But I was kind of, even when he did show up, it was I was kind of like, oh, it's that Hank Pym. I'm like, oh, it's like 90s crossing era Hank Pym. Oh, okay. It wasn't impressive. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I I thought it was kind of funny though that even Black Wolf got to judge Hank Pym at the end there, where you know because yeah. he, he he resets all those sort of artificial life forms, you know, he's like you just took away their free will, and that's very troubling to me. <laughs> do you also smack your wife? You know, like how I read that. Why do I like, listen to my wife? Yes, I do smack my wife. How do you know that? But it's like at the end, it's like here's the more more like, <laughs> It's like an episode of Star Trek. Oh, you took away their free will. That's I must say that that was like a very like Hank Pym solution. Like he was like, you know, I didn't take away their free will. I programmed them so they think they have free will. You know, it's like, yeah, that's that that works for me. You know, that works for everyone. I don't even know why they had to add that in there. Why couldn't they just say that he freed them and they're... Yeah, you're far kinder to this series than we are, Tim. <laughs> I was like, you're, you're a much nicer person than we are. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. I'm kind of glad. I'm, I I can see why no one would want to buy this. Like, I'm old. I I know all this Marvel stuff. At least if I haven't read it, I'm familiar with the titles of from the obscure stuff. I don't, I've never heard of this. <laughs> I've never heard of... Yeah, that's... That's that was something why I just thought it might be a fun topic to cover because I don't think I don't think anybody had heard of it. So I, I, uh, you know, I was gonna say Derek, like uh, you know how you told us that story about how like you gave like your friend or your friend read some like X Men issue from like I don't know like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was why he, like, he can't. And yeah, X-Men. exactly. Like this series was, is like something you give like a series like this to someone like who like you know wants you want to get someone into comics and you give them like an issue of Black. 
I mean, you'll like send them on like some holy crusade to eliminate comics from the earth or something, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand a thing. My brain hurts, you know? That was the problem with this at the beginning with just too much shit they do at you. It's like, huh, wait a minute, hold, now who's who? And then uh, I finally, you know, by the seventh issue, I, I was into it. I mean, not into it, but I understood who was who. I just had a question about issue 10, but I asked that you make your, your point. Okay, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, by the end I was kind of like, okay, I'm starting to get this now. Like, I see where everyone goes and what everyone does, and, you know, and then it ends. So it's like... Yeah, it says finale on a... <laughs> and that's my question about issue 10. This this wasn't listed as an unlimited series, so... I think, or was it a unlimited series, and they just told them, oh, you're canceled... And they gave yeah, time. I think I think I think it just got canceled. Like I think it was an ongoing series. But he he wrapped it. He wrapped it up nice and like a nice bow at the end. <laughs> What's funny about that though is he he kind of you know he sets up the thing where you know he's got the the you know structure where he's got his father's side and his mother's side, and then he saves his mom and everything by you know taking taking all that back into him and stuff like that. But then, like, by the end of it, it's kind of like, he's like, and now I've paid the price, and I'm Black Wolf. And I'm kind of like, oh. And so I did some more research, and I'm like, and he was never seen ever again. <laughs> you know, because he wasn't. Like, it was like, they're, they're basically, like, the only history on Black Wolf is he, he, he appeared in Thunderstrike, of all titles. That's where he first showed up. It was it was how, you know, how there were the two brothers and everything. So, like, Lucian... And and uh, I don't even know how to say his name, Pelops or whatever. Like, you know, <laughs> that's how I was like, reading that, it. So it sounds ridiculous, right? But the two brothers are Lucian and Pelops, right? And so so both those guys uh, first appear in Thunderstrike. Like, well, I don't know, like Thunderstrike and Spider Man are there, like hanging out with Nick Fury and stuff, and they get involved in this, in, you know, in the middle of this thing against Tantalus and everything. And then, you know, they go on and do the the ongoing series. And then Black Wolf guest appeared in Daredevil, of all places, while the series was ongoing. And, I don't know, he, he wanted to ask Deathlock some questions or something. And I guess at that point, like, Deathlock was homeless or whatever, and he was living with all these guys. And, like, he, he just wanted to know, I guess... There was some alternate future where Tantalus wasn't a bad guy and Pelops hadn't gotten killed. So he just wanted to know, like, if if he could somehow, you know, make that future a reality or whatever. Because obviously he still loved his brother and all that kind of stuff. But that was basically it. Like, there wasn't any, I mean, other than him getting some mentions in, like, you know, Marvel handbooks and stuff like that, that was pretty much the end of it. Yeah, I don't know why Marvel picked it up. I wouldn't know if, if I editor but they always pick up bullshit this year well i think it was the 90s so they were probably latching on to anything that would you know that they thought might sell right so probably the 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 numbers that book was probably selling it would probably be like a super smash hit in today's like comic yeah place you know but then again i don't think you'd pay 3.99 for an issue of black wolf no. Yeah, that's true as well. And this is own insular universe. You got to know all this backstory and shit. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't buy it. No, I would not put it on the shelf. But and but what about uh, the last thing I want to ask about? What about the way it ended? <laughs> kind of on a, a dark note. The way the team left Blackwood's Blackwood's uh, underground. Call them the the way one guy missing an arm. Another, I think another one died. 
somebody was just like they were in between dimensions. And I'm like, what the fuck? Everybody was just fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of why I got the the impression that it was an ongoing, you know, and they, you know, yeah, they tried to wrap some stuff up. It's like they did have a fight against Tantalus at the end, but it seemed like it it cost them all a lot so that, they, you know, if they did have another arc, it'd be like the, well, where are we now arc, and what's the next big threat arc or whatever type thing, you know? I kind of kept thinking Tantalus was Shao Kahn from Mortal Kombat. No one? No one else? Okay. I'll just leave it alone then. <laughs> well, I guess what, when did Mortal Mortal Kombat probably came out the same year? Yeah. I mean, In 94, who knows? Right? Yeah, around 94, the... The movie I mean, did. Yeah. I, I remember seeing an ad from Mortal Kombat 2 in an issue. So. Yeah. So so I mean it had to be the same time period. I mean like like we said it might not just be image comics that were the inspiration for it. It could have been popular video games too. So you know it does it does seem to have a lot of extreme stuff and Mortal Kombat certainly fits that bill. You know. So. I also thought it was funny at the very beginning how uh, Lucian kind of pulled like a. a Japanese uh, headmaster's uh, six shot uh, or bad English dub six shot there, where he was like, "I'm going to betray you. Goodbye," and then he just leaves, you know. Yeah. yeah. And his father's like, "He'll be back." <laughs> as soon as his brother was killed by his father, he turned against his father. That was a quick turn, I thought. Yeah, yeah, because it was kind of like, hey. Uh... You you were saying before how how you know basically he was all with his father when they were when they were killing human beings and you know setting out to conquer the world or whatever it was but then the minute his brother dies then then he then he kind of turns on a dime and totally changes his whole sort of philosophy and outlook and stuff. It didn't even seem like he liked his brother much in the beginning, anyways. So yeah, yeah, it seemed like he was kind of jealous of him. Like right. there was this big rivalry, and he was always getting his ass kicked. Kind of like how you know Mike is always kicking my ass at Ultimate Marvel, <laughs> you know. And then all of a sudden, I say, "No, Mike's dead," and then totally like go on a crusade to become best, <laughs> the uh, next Marvel. Mike. Mike's dead. Now <laughs> I'm Mike. <laughs> you know, I am I'm Mike now. Yeah, exactly. But like, he did his brother too. He said, "Oh, I'm not going to wear a mask like him. I will openly, you know." In other words, my brother's a goddamn pussy. <laughs> and I, so I, I guess we definitely did go someplace cold with uh, with uh, Black Wolf, but we're gonna we're gonna move it on along and go to the the second topic, and maybe there'll be some more positive stuff since we're gonna talk about our favorites, even though we're gonna go into some of the worst. But we're gonna talk about superhero replacements. Ain't it, Clinton? We've got business with your husband. What, John? Hal Jordan, another time shift. I'm up to speed. Carry on. Okay, I'm starting to get a migraine. And I guess, you know, what we mean by this is, you know, there's lots of legacy characters and superheroes, and in certain occasions there's times when, you know, you have a mainstream book that's uh, got a really, really popular character, and maybe they go MIA or they're quote-unquote dead or something happens to them, and so uh, somebody steps in and tries to take over as that hero for a little while. Um, you know, I'm not going to venture any guesses as to, you know, what uh, the fan holes and our guest Tim will uh, will bring up, but um, I'm kind of curious to hear what everybody's take is. You know, I guess we'll, we'll start off, I'll just go straight down my list and I'll start with Mike. Um why don't you uh let us know uh you know what 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 was somebody you thought of for your favorite superhero replacement and then somebody you thought of for the worst replacement? Uh 
You know what? I didn't, like, really, uh, like, I would have been, like, seeing, I guess this is kind of retrospective now, but uh, seeing as what what they've done to Spider-Man in the past, like, five years, I kind of, like, in retrospect, like, I liked him then, but in retrospect, I I wouldn't have minded if they kept Ben Riley as Spider-Man. I mean, instead of going through the whole Mephisto erase your marriage stuff, I mean, if they really wanted a younger, hipper, you know, unmarried Spider-Man, they should have just, you know, stuck with Ben Riley pretty much. And, you know, even back then, I mean, I wasn't, like, totally, like, those were some of the first, like, Spider-Man comics I ever, like, bought off the rack and stuff where, like, you know, it's the Scarlet Spider and stuff. And when, when he became Spider-Man, I was like, yeah, that makes sense to me. Like, I wasn't, I know a lot of people were, like, aghast at that point, but, you know, I, I, I was gassed at the blonde hairdo. Yeah, yeah, I guess that was a bit going, <laughs> that was going yeah. a bit far, maybe. But you know, <laughs> I, I, I was just kind of like, yeah, this this works for me. I mean, you know, it, it, it's kind of like it's kind of like very similar to what they did like with One More Day and Brand New Day, like nowadays. And you know, Ben Riley fought a bunch of new villains when he first became Spider-Man yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And same thing like when Brand New Day started, it's like we're not going to use any of the old villains. We're going to introduce, you know. These stupid ass people like Overdrive and Paper Doll, and you know. There, there is uh, my personal favorite or least favorite, as uh, if you can't tell that I'm being sarcastic. Joystick or Joystick, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I have an, a fondness for Joystick just because she's a, a Thunderbolt too. But you know, it, it, again, a retroactive thing. Yeah, you know, in in retrospect. But you know, I I I dig Ben Riley. I mean, I think I think they should have like given him more of a shake than they did. And you know, it's kind of strange because like when I I've never been a huge DC fan, but I mean, for a long time for me, for what like the little I saw, like you know, Kyle Rayner was like the only Green Lantern for me pretty much right, and like right. even like Wally West like they were just like I didn't even know there was like another one before them. So you know. But, you know, I never read a lot of their, like, comics or anything, so I didn't know. But I'm like, oh, there was a guy before that. So, you know, it was kind of like a thing where you're, like, you just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm trying to get at here. <laughs> I was I was like, I started well, doing you didn't You didn't know of the existence of anybody other than that person. So to them, they were your Green Lantern, your Spider-Man, yeah. your Black. I mean, Ben Riley wasn't my Spider-Man, but I, like, I understood why he was going to be Spider-Man, and I was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense to me, and I mean, like I said, they should have found some way to, like, I don't know, like, I, I remember they had all these plans, like, the alternate ways to end the Clone Saga or whatever, and they were like, you know, merge Peter Parker and Ben Riley into one guy named Peter Parker, you know, and he's single again, you know, they should have done something like that if they really wanted to, like, make him single again, but, you know, whatever, in re- it's all in retrospect, so, you know. So what about the worst? You got anybody on, on the docket for somebody who you just couldn't stand as a as a replacement hero? Not, not, I mean, I'm sure you guys will mention someone. I didn't really list anyone in specific. I mean, uh, anyone, like, pretty much anyone from the 90s who, like, got, like, 90s Dr. Fate or, you know, something like that. Like, a lot of those guys were pretty awful and, you know, I don't know, but. I, I I think uh, for that we're secret brothers alert because uh, <laughs> my my pick for worst replacement <laughs> uh, hero was Jared Stevens the '90s fate and the only reason why I don't bitch and moan about him that much is because JSA issue number one had the good decency <laughs> to stab 
the stupid asshole in the back and kill him like the mort he was. So yeah. I uh, that that was like one of my favorite scenes in that comic where he's like, Yeah he was murdered <laughs> he falls over and he's all dead and everything. I, I but yeah, I, I can't stand uh nineties fate. Like it was like it was basically they took like the Kents and they killed them off and then like they took Fate's like cape and helmet and it was like they just turned it into, like, the guy's knife, and, like, the cape was, like, wrapped around the dude's arm and stuff, and he had big shoulder pads, and he was out boozing with Lobo and, like, all kinds of goofy stuff. Like, I never liked that guy. But, um, yeah. Uh, uh, what about you, Justin, for, like, favorite superhero replacement, worst superhero replacement? Anybody you want to First of all, I'll, I'll just back you up on 90s fate getting killed off and that issue with JSA. Like, when I saw that, I was like, I was so happy because I hated that version of Dr. Fate. And I was so yeah. glad that they were getting rid of him and, you know, going to have like a, a classic take on the character come back. Um, but I guess for my favorite replacement, um, I'm going to go back to a character I've talked about many, many times um, Bucky Barnes, who took over as Captain America when Cap was. Dead, not dead, you know, bouncing around through time by a magical traveling bullet, kind of like Batman. Um, <laughs> but whatever, you know, I really liked the Bucky's run as uh, Captain America, and I really enjoyed that run of Captain America. And it was neat to see him show up in other books. You know, like we mentioned this before, it was really neat seeing Bucky show up during uh, Second Coming, and he's leading the Avengers and telling them what to do and everything. Like, that was a great scene. Um, kind of like Mike, I really liked Ben Riley, and I kind of wish they had done something more with him aside from just, you know, having him crumble into dust. Um, also, I, I like two of the Wonder Woman replacements. I really liked Artemis when she was Wonder Woman. Like, I kind of wish we could have got to see more of her as Wonder Woman. You know, Diana was still running around, you know, doing other stuff, but I would have liked to see her, you know, had a few more adventures as Wonder Woman and, you know... Uh, the one year later, post-Infinite Crisis, Wonder Woman was Donna Troy. But she only had, what, two or three issues as Wonder Woman? And then, you know, she kind of got pushed to the side and it was, all, you know, all about Diana again. I really like, would have liked to have seen, you know, a few more issues of her as Wonder Woman. I think she, you know, she put in enough time to, you know, wear the costume and everything. So she, she should have had a better run. Um, I wish we could have got more of that. Uh, for worst, um... I don't really know. I mean, I don't want to say the worst, but you know, Mike touched on this. I don't really like any of the other, any of the Green Lanterns except for Hal. Um, I never really connected with John Stewart or Guy Gardner. I never liked Guy Gardner. Kyle, I don't hate Kyle, but you know, I read that run of Green Lantern when Kyle was you know the Green Lantern, and I remember. Reading it a lot, I thought Kyle was okay. You know, he was an artist, and he was hanging out with Wally, and they had a good relationship, you know. And then I remember reading that Green Lantern 100 where Kyle went back in the past and met Hal. And, you yeah. know, like that was a, you know, kind of a big thing, or at least Wizard wanted you to think it was a big deal, which it was a cool comic. But I never hated, you know, Kyle or anything, but when Hal came back, like, that was really great. Like, I really like Green Lantern Rebirth and, you know, how punching out Batman, you know, them getting into arguments and stuff like that felt more, you know, that that felt more in tune with what I thought Green Lantern was. Was how like, you know, 
I'll put it this way, like I don't hate Jon Stewart, but if he'd like killed himself during Cosmic Odyssey, like I probably wouldn't have cared, but I know some uh, of you guys may disagree <laughs> with me. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I think Jon Stewart is a boring character. I'm reading Mosaic right now, the first few issues, and it's awful. Uh, Green Lantern Mosaic, which is uh, Jon Stewart's uh, comic book. Uh, the- I, I, I kind of like, I don't know what it was, but uh, I read Mosaic when I was pretty young, but I kind of liked Mosaic. I have a soft spot for it. But yeah, I'm going to rip it up on my next episode. Go ahead, Justin. I didn't want to take you. <laughs> I no, it's cool. I- that John Stewart is boring. <laughs> uh, I guess that's pretty much it. I mean, uh, like I said, I don't hate, well, I guess I do kind of hate Guy Gardner, but you know, John and Kyle. Hey. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't hate them, but they just never really did anything for me. But yeah, that, that's pretty much what I got for those uh, replacements. Are you that desperate to prove what a great hero you are? <sighs> it ain't about me. It's about Mogo and Nort. What, what about you, Brian? You got a favorite replacement and a worst replacement? Um. Well, Mike took my answer with Ben Riley and almost verbatim repeated some of the arguments that I've used before of why he should have been kept around, which is basically, you know, you could have avoided that whole One New Day crap and... um. You know, just all that. If you wanted a single Spider-Man, why not keep Ben Riley around? You could even put him out on the West Coast or something, put him in Seattle, L.A., something like that, and I think he would have been a really cool character because, I mean, I liked him as a character. I liked the uh, hoodie costume. You know, I never had a problem with it. So it seems like uh, Mike might have just said this, but, you know, if the writers were really, like, begging to have a single Spider-Man again, then they missed an opportunity there by killing him off. Whoa! I don't think I even want to hear your story. All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. Other ones I, I want to mention would be, like, the entire new X-Men team, the all-new, all-different X-Men team. Of course, they were a replacement that happened before I was even reading X-Men. But, you know, as I go back and read older issues, you know, um, the original team... Um, it might be the storytelling, it might be the, a mixture of the characters, but I find it kind of boring, and I don't really, yep. I don't really like reading X-Men until, you know, Wolvie, Colossus, Storm come along, so I, I gotta hey, give Brian, props. Go ahead. Can I, can I ask you a question about that? So, do you agree with me that what every, they first, X-Men first movies, a lot of people were saying, well, fuck that, if you're gonna, you know, mess up the timeline of the X-Men movies, why don't you just make it the original like, you know, Angel, Iceman, you know, Cyclops, and Jean Grey. Do you agree that that would have been a boring movie? Yeah. Um, like, especially, like, when I was thinking of why I didn't like the original X-Men team, Angel was one of the people I thought about, too, is because, you know, before, like, Angel became, you know, Archangel and had that, like, internal conflict, I mean, it's just a dude with wings, and he's pretty boring. You know, Beast is an all right Grey character. Was too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Beast is great. <clears throat> Um, Beast is a cool character now, but I mean, just Beast that looks like a normal human, just with big feet and big hands, you know, I mean, it's boring. So, yeah, I agree with you. Um, They were all too like each other, too. They were all, like, of the similar background, so it was kind of flat. Yeah, exactly. I think think they were all more interesting when they were on other teams, like whether it was the Avengers, the Champions, or the Defenders. Mm-hmm. I, I always like I always like the original X Factor run. I know I know I'm in the minority, and I like I like the original five X Men or whatever. But like I get why we the all knew all of them, like the uncles and grandma. But that at least by the time better. of X Factor, they're starting to get cool. 
you know? Yeah, but I'm just saying I understand why the all do all different X-Men would be like a good, you know, like a favorite pick for like a, you know, a replacement team or replacement hero. I, and stuff I, like I, I always think it's funny when like Stan Lee like justifies like his like reason for creating like Angel where he's like, you know, I, I saw Superman and I said, how does he fly? And then I was like, well, what if we created a guy with, with a reason why he could fly. And I'm like, well, Stan, no one cares, you know, about why they fly. It's that they fly. I I want a justification for the bazooka on the cover to issue one. (laughs) He stole it from Juggernaut. (laughs) In the video game? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What about you, Tim? What what, you you got? His worst. Oh, did did he say his worst? I don't oh, know. Oh, I can I can give you a couple worst. Um, it was kind of hard to think of like character replacements that I really hated. Like there were plenty of like costume replacements that I hated, but as far as like actual characters, is more difficult. I did really hate in Daredevil when they replaced Matt Murdock with Ben Affleck. Like that. Really <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where they're trying to go with that, but that did not work. No, the actual only legitimate one that I could think of uh, was Renee Montoya becoming the question. And um, my opinion on this might be a little short-sighted because the only uh, storyline that I read Renee Montoya as a question in was the 52 storyline. And the reason why I hated that so much was because in the 52 storyline, you know, she's depressed, she's an alcoholic. And, like, they want to throw out the fact that she's a lesbian. Like, they want to put that in your face, like, every other page. Like, you know, anytime she shows up, usually her face is, like, buried between two a chick's, you know, two thighs or something. <laughs> and so, like, reading the whole book with that happening over and over and over, it just, I don't know. It rubbed me the they, wrong they, way. They, they never of... showed, they never did that, did they? <laughs> yeah. Maybe not she, that. She was, was, when she was depressed, like, she was kind of seeking solace wherever she could find it. So it always, I mean, I could see where he got the vibe where it's like every time they, it's like they would cut away and then cut back to different people. So you felt like, you know, you've got like Steel or uh, Booster Gold or, you know, whoever else they were focusing on in the new 52. And then they'd cut back to Renee Montoya and she'd be like, oh, I hate my life. And oh, who are you? Let's go hook up or whatever. And kind of like, oh, okay. You know. <laughs> they might I'm, not have shown the actual face burying into the, you know, between the legs. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm appalled, Brian. Where can I find this comic? <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so I can burn it or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, local that's library. Like, so what about what about you, Tim? What like a favorite, uh, worst? Anybody in particular? Yeah, cause when I forgot to do this, so when y'all started doing it, I came up. I was going to throw out Hell Jordan in our Silver Age replacing <laughs> the Allen guy because that's weak. You, you, you know, your weakness is wood. You wear a big red shirt with a big green cape. You look crazy. Okay. <laughs> this, I, I like Oa. I like all these intergalactic, this team and all that. But, yeah, that was, but I guess while Justin was talking, something came that was better than that, which was, of course, Wally West replacing Barry Allen as the Flash. That's my favorite, and I don't even have to say why. I think y'all all know why. Look at Wally Barry, Barry O'Boring himself with his bow tie. <laughs> yeah, I love Wally, Wally West, but I didn't mention him because 
there for me it wasn't actually a replacement. Like he's the only Flash I've really knew or liked. So yeah, one of the things- I always notice. I, I always notice with like hardcore Marvel fans. I always bring this up, but it's like anybody who I've been friends with that has always been like, ah, oh, DC sucks. They're lame, like Brian, or you know, like things like like that, where it's like they give me a hard time because I like DC comics. Like some of my older you know, uh, friends from grade school and stuff like that. The the gateway drug always seems to be uh, Wally West. You know, like that. That's how I. That, that, that usually Wally West or Nightwing or somebody like that. Those guys always seem to get get you know the the DC haters like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then before you know it, they're buying Justice League Europe. Why? Because Wally West is in it. And then before you know it, they're buying like all the Justice League comics. And then. You know, they're buying all kinds of stuff, like Starman and what have you, you know? so yeah. well, that, That's very true, Derek, because I, I, I had forgotten to mention, but, like, I, I bought up, like, you know, Grant Morrison's, like, recent, like, well, not recent, but, like, when Dick Grayson was Batman, I was like, oh, that's awesome, you know, and I bought all those, like, <laughs> trades. Like, that sounds awesome, you know, so, yeah. One of the things that makes me so grumpy about post-Flashpoint is Wally West and Donna Troy have just vanished. They've not even mentioned... They're just like, do they even exist? And uh, I just, it makes oh, me so grumpy. And I, I was at a um, one of these conventions, I think San Diego convention, <laughs> and then somebody was saying, when they were asking Dan the deal, when is he gonna come back? Wally West, he said, uh, Wally West, no time future, and definitely we're conscious of various who we want to do. There's no Wally West. And he said, the guy got up again. Okay, but. Like, you're thinking what issue you know he might come back in with. <laughs> <laughs> and then the deal's like, oh, God. But, yeah, they, people love Wally West, um, and they love Dick Grayson, too. Okay, I'm just going to say my favorite costume replacement is that my, Miles Morales Spider-Man. I don't, you know, I like Peter Parker better, but that costume is a badass Spider-Man costume, black and red. I like that. Oh, how it's, like, off, off, uh, what, it's, like, the black is that's awesome. where the red should be, and like the the red is where the black should be, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like that's, that's awesome. I like that. And yeah, that's my a pretty cool costume. Uh, if if anything, that's that's the good thing out of that coming. But uh, <laughs> my worst replacement is that goddamn Power Man, that little young kid punk ass Power Man, and the new Power oh. Man Iron Fist. <laughs> that comic was awful. It was awful. The kid, you know, he's just an arrogant bastard, little bastard. You know, I know he's young, but he shouldn't be a superhero. Okay, I like Luke Cage. I don't like anyone calling himself Power Man. And that's all. That's that's my worst replacement. Yeah, I had never, I had never heard of that replacement one until uh, until I read Spider Island for the podcast, and then that was part of that, I guess, crossover or whatever, where he was one of the heroes like involved in the. The big, uh, you know, spider invasion he, or whatever. Uh, he was also part of Shadowland and like that Power oh, yeah, Man, yeah, yeah. the Power Man yeah. Shadowland. Like that was one of the few Shadowland books like I didn't like. So yeah, he's a uh, kid. Kid Power Man is now in Avengers Academy, but he hasn't had like any lines or anything. So <laughs> oh, he's just one of those background characters. Yeah, he's just one of the kids like at the school. Probably canceled that comic than good because it was a bad comic. I hated it. Hey, hey, I like Avengers Academy. Oh no, not that. I'm talking about Parman Iron Fist. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> the, 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 the Don't badmouth Christos Gage. <laughs> oh no, I like him. I like, he's pretty. Nah, good. nah. Didn't he, I, 
Oh, you don't care about him? Or you do? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I was just, I was just, I was just joking. Ed. But didn't Gage write some of the like the Thunderbolt stuff? I, I, yeah, very briefly. Yeah, he had like a he had a little Thunderbolts run of like yeah, six I'm, issues or something. I think, but I think that was Dark Rain, and I like that. Yeah, I like yeah. Those were my picks. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I I mean I'm kind of secret brothers for for like my favorites um as far as like replacements go. Um I was just going to say I like Monel replacing Superman during the whole world without a Superman yeah. thing and and sort of by extension that kind of leads into, you know, Dick Grayson, Monel and Donna Troy kind of replacing the Trinity in the the Robinson, you know, Justice League run. Like I kind of like that. Like I I thought it was cool to see all those you know, those three get some sort of headline spotlight type thing or whatever. So I enjoyed that. And, of course, I've already kind of mentioned I don't like the Jared Stevens, a.k.a. the 90s fate. Like, I think he's a fucking mort, and uh, he deserves his stabs in the back. And then uh, the only honorable mention I'm going to throw in, which I don't think any of you guys are Punisher readers, so this may have never occurred to you, but as an honorable mention, like, during – there was this big – gigantic 90s crossover called Suicide Run in Punisher, and it's kind of like if you took the the reign of the Superman and merged it with Nightfall, but it's a Punisher story. So, like, Punisher, like, is thought to be dead, and then all these replacement Yahoo idiot Punishers come out of the woodwork. So there was, like, a chick Punisher. Her name was Lynn Michaels. There was, like, this crazy dude with, like, a skull helmet called Payback. And, like, there, there were just, like, all these kooky Punishers. There was, like, this, this black dude from England named Outlaw who I guess had teamed. You know, there were all these guys that I guess had teamed up with Punisher or met Punisher at one point, And then they all decided, like, you know, hey, I'm going to be the replacement <laughs> Punisher. I was trying you know? to imagine, like, Microchip in a Punisher costume. Yeah, you know, it's just like, all this kind of stuff. So it was, like, I don't know. It's, like, to me, it's, like, the funniest. I mean, I guess in its defense, like, I think they were all supposed to be stupid replacements. Like, I think the whole point of the story, you know, uh, a little more obvious than, say, you know, Night Quest was, you know, obviously, like, there's some question of, is Azrael a good replacement? Is he not? You know, and hopefully, you know, everybody sides with Bruce Wayne is what they were going with. But I think this was a little more, you know, hit you on the top of the head with a hammer where it's like, oh, obviously all these people are dumb except for Frank Castle, you know, was the sort of idea. But that was just kind of an honorable mention and stuff like that. So I guess, yeah, so everybody did their worst and favorite uh, superhero replacement, and uh, and we went someplace cold with Black Wolf. There has to be a better solution than this. Humanity has come so far, but more and more it seems like we're failing as a species. It's like we're wasting all of our promise. Humanity is inherently flawed. Observation and analysis suggest that humanity is encoded with chaotic and violent tendencies that cannot be overcome. You might be right, Ultron. This isn't exactly the peace and order that I programmed you to try and achieve, is it? No, it is not. Uh, this week we did get a new email from our friend Deke Winsome. He writes to us, Hey, fanholes, I think it's great you guys dig Cosmic Spidey. I love that run. I know it's not a typical favorite among people, but it was just great stuff. So much fun seeing Spidey learn, learn new powers, fight random Marvel baddies, and punch the Hulk into orbit. He frickin' punched the Hulk into orbit. How fun is that? Anyways, thanks for the show. Hope you enjoy the new movie, Deke. So thanks, Deke. Uh, yeah, we appreciate the comments. Um, yeah, we did show some Cosmic Spider love on that show. And as you've probably heard by now, 
you know, we, we mostly seem to be enjoying the new movie, too. So uh, anytime you guys want to write, we appreciate your emails. Wallop and Web Snappers. Yay. Thanks, Snacky. Next show, uh, we're going to be doing another comic dare. Or I guess the first time we're going to be doing the comic dare, but we're going to be doing another fan holes dare. And the last time we did TV shows and stuff. And so here, I guess, we'll just announce, I guess, what everybody is uh, is going to be reading. And so I guess I'll start off and just say that uh, I'm going to have Mike read the Destroyer miniseries. Uh, it's a Marvel miniseries by Robert Kirkman. And so that's what he's going to be assigned to read uh, next week or, you know, when we record it next week. And then uh, Mike can go ahead and uh, give his assignment to the next fan hole. All right, uh, Justin, you are going to be re- uh, reading some selected issues of uh, IDW's uh, Transformers Spotlight. And I-, I picked basically all my favorite issues from that run. And they're all pretty much Simon Furman issues, so which usually are the only good ones. So, <laughs> Okay, I can dig that. Um, Brian, your assignment is to read the first story arc of Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. Sweet. Um, Derek, for you, I picked the first volume of Nova. Um, I think you, you, you'll probably like it. Um, back then, he's written a little bit different. He almost had like that teenage loser, like Peter Parker type thing going on. So I hope you enjoy it. Cool. Yeah, I've, re- I've read like New Warriors and the the current volume of Nova, but I've actually never read the the uh, the first vol- volume of Nova. So that'd be cool. So that's basically what's going to be going on for uh, for our next podcast. And then, uh, like we usually always do, um, we're going to wrap things off with the awesome, what's awesome in your world this week. So uh, I guess we'll start off with our guest, our Distinction Agenda guest, and, and just ask him, you know, what's awesome in your world this week, Tim? It's just something, you know, something you'd like to recommend to the listeners. I'm going to say just quickly, too, was the Amazing Spider-Man I thought was amazing. I hated Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker all those years. <laughs> And now we got a Peter Parker who I dig. I I was biased going in because I like this actor, actor. and uh, I dug I dug the storyline. There was actually dialogue, character development. I like Spider Man. I don't I don't have to say anything else, but I know that y'all, you know that y'all have heard all about it probably already. I like to recommend going see it. And then there's one more thing I like to say. I bought this this uh, thing called Space Precinct, this DVD set. It's a TV series from the '90s by Jerry. Very I've been in the 60s, but it's Space Precinct is just a campy science fiction show. It's just basically NYPD set in space, or I'm, I'm trying to think what, what it's mixed up with. But NYPD blue with a bunch of aliens and people with powers or stuff. I like to recognize that. Sounds that sounds kind of cool. I've never, yeah, I've never heard I, of that. I remember watching that when I was growing up in the 90s. So. It used to come on like two in a month. That's a problem. And they won't have to win season, but uh, it's, it's very ambitious. Uh, yeah, you just have to see it because no CGI. They use all these these models and things like that for the cities and ships. And some of the aliens were very impressive, but you'd have to see it to <laughs> know what I'm talking about. Cool. That's, that's my recommendations. Oh, that sounds cool. I kind of want to check that out now. Yeah, did it, cool. I, heard, I heard it's on Netflix, but yeah, I bought the DVD set. 
What about you, Mike? What's your uh, what's your awesome thing this week? Uh, I'm just gonna back up Tim's uh, amazing Spider-Man recommendation because yeah, I, I love the hell out of that movie. Uh, you know, it was kind of like X-Men First Class, where like everything leading up to it, everyone was like, ah, oh, this is gonna suck, and then you know, the actual movie was really quite excellent and you know as you, no one can see this but I, I you the rest of you on this podcast as you can tell by my skype avatar currently it's like this is like this movie is like the last like the the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of the raimi movies you know like it seems like everyone's coming out of the woodwork and saying you know you know what those weren't great you know so it's like uh, their stock has dramatically plummeted now, so, you know. So is that, is that going to be, like, super controversial when I uh, review the Raimi movies and say that I don't like them, even though it would have been, like, no, a I year? Think, I think people are beating so, you to it now, you know? Yeah. Uh, then but, there's that people coming out the woodwork who love the old ones and saying, oh, y'all just, something new is coming out, so you're going to jump on that bandwagon, but y'all don't realize that those were the better movies. But I don't think that's the thing people... Always felt that way about the movie. They were okay, but we took what we can get at the time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's that's how I feel too. Like, I mean, I still I think number two is pretty good, but yeah, the other two like really are starting to show their age. And well, the the third one, you know, is terrible, but <laughs> the first one is really starting to show its age, really. And yeah, and uh, I think it's kind of it's kind of like the first Burton Batman now, where it's just like you know what you know. That movie had some problems, but back then it was awesome because it was like all we had, pretty much. So, Amazing Spider-Man, good. I loved it. Cool. I'll I'll go real quick. I mean, obviously I saw Amazing Spider-Man and thought it was really good, but uh, I figured everybody was going to talk about Amazing Spider-Man, so I just want to mention something that I watched the other night, which was, I think it's the series finale, but it may just be the finale, the season finale for season two of uh, Iron Man Armored Adventures. But it was called the Makuan Invasion, and they had two parts. And without spoiling it for anybody who hasn't seen it or anything, um, I think if you're fans of Avengers and you like team up stuff, like you'll you'll get a kick out of that because there's lots of lots of cool uh, coming together in that uh, team up, and it's a nice nice send off for the uh, if it is indeed like the last episode of the whole series. Yeah, I thought it was a I, pretty I re- cool. I'll back you on off. I'll back you on that too. I really liked that. It was a nice. It was a solid finale. Yeah. So what about you, Justin? You got anything awesome going on in your world this week? Um, like everyone before me, I saw Amazing Spider-Man thought it was really awesome. Um, but I'm sure we'll talk about that in detail on another show or something. I've got two other things. The first thing is I read the first issue of DC's Masters of the Universe, and I thought it was a really good first issue. Um, it's a different take on the He-Man mythos. It's kind of like... I don't know if you add a little bit more of like a fairy tale aspect, kind of like it kind of reminded me of like Snow White and the Huntsman. If you've seen that movie, um, where it's kind of like you know Adam is now kind of like in the role of the Huntsman and he's being hunted by you know Beast Man and all this stuff. But uh, I really liked it. I didn't expect to like it, but I did. Um, my second thing is I'm going to blame on Derek because after one show we were talking about you know. Disney uh, DVD sets like Zorro and Donald Duck. So I watched the Oswald the Lucky Rabbit DVD set, and it was pretty good. Uh, I'd seen like a few of these uh, cartoons, you know, years and years ago, but I'd never seen all of them. Um, and some of them don't even exist anymore, but um, 
they were really fun. You know, they're black and white. You know, basically sound like cartoons with music and sound effects. But I really enjoyed every uh, each and every cartoon on the set. And there were some really cool special features. Like there was a documentary about uh, Bioworks and you know all the different things he did. You know, characters he designed and all these different cameras he designed. And, you know, winning uh, an Academy Award and it was just a really cool set. So if if you like old Disney cartoons or if you like you know black and white Popeye or uh, Betty Boop or Felix the Cat, you know, you'll probably dig uh, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. What about you, Brian? Finish us off with, uh, with your, your awesome, awesome book of the week. All right. Uh, mine this week is a comic book. Um, I read The Last Trade of Amazing Spider-Man, which is Flying Blind. I actually really enjoyed it, especially coming off Spider Island. I was a little bit let down by Spider Island, probably because of how much it was hyped up before I read it. I don't know if slots like characterization of Spider-Man's getting like more what I'm used to or if I'm just getting used to how he wants to portray him, but I'm starting to like him better either way. And um, also included in this volume were, uh, I think, one or two issues of the Daredevil series by Mark Wade, um, And those were actually really good, like good enough to the point where, you know, I'm thinking about picking up the whole, you know, volume one and volume two of Mark Wade's Daredevil. So, um yeah, it was a good read. I wasn't expecting a whole lot, but yeah, I ended up enjoying it quite a bit. That, yeah, I, that I, Mark I, I like Daredevil run is really great. Yeah, I, what I've read of it, I thought it was really good so far. Cool. Yeah, I, I, it's already in my like basket on Amazon. I just gotta end up buying it. But you just gotta get a late night where you, you <laughs> buy buy one. <laughs> I'm probably three. waiting to cobble together like a super saver shipping order. So nice, nice. <clears throat> cool. All right. So so I guess we. Uh, we, this will wrap up our, our show. Um, if you have any comments or questions or, you know, like to send us any emails, we've got our email address at uh, fanholspodcast at gmail.com. You can check us out on the blog spot. You can Twitter us. You can message us on Facebook. Uh, you know, there's an uh, innumerable number of ways to uh, get in contact with us. Um, we've got blogs. Uh, we've got RPG blogs from our friend Boove. We've got uh, side stories, sidecasts on Blip TV, and all new, all different sidecasts coming out. So uh, please check all those out. And then uh, if you like uh, uh, listening to our podcast, you more than likely will like listening to the Thum podcast. So, Tim, uh, why don't you tell the listeners where they can uh, check that out at? Yes, you can find me at www.thumcast.blogspot.com. And then also you've got uh, Thum TV on Blip TV as well, right? Yes, yeah, Blip slash uh, Thum. Yeah, Blip TV slash Thum. Thanks for having me on the show, Tim. It's good having you. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem, guys. All right, everybody. Uh, Good night. This is the Fan Holes. Uh, This is Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Hey, this is Brian Breakdown. Mike Thunderwing. Justin Griffin. Peace. Mort calling Orson. Come in, Orson. Brian? Yeah. Okay, okay. Sorry, Skype. Decided to update real quick, but it's done.